Hey, what's up? This is a preview of a premium episode of Champagne Sharks. If you like this preview and you want to hear the rest of the episode, go to patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks. For $5 a month, you get access to the rest of this episode as well as all the past premium episodes in the archive. So it's a great deal. $5 a month, rest of this episode, all the back premium episodes as well. So without any further ado, let's get to it. Hey, how's it going? Champagne Sharks. This is T. We have with us um, Leslie Lee III. Say hello to the people. Hey, how's it going, everyone? And Leslie Lee is a host of the great podcast uh, Struggle Session, a podcast that I listen to even though when they talk about gaming, I have no idea what's going on. That's the one thing that goes over my head, but... Gamers' rights are humans' rights. We're going to have to convert you. Uh, it's the new... Movies are dead. TV is done. It's all about... It's going to be all about video games uh, from now on. My problem with games isn't that... Like, I'm not like a Matt Crispin who just hates the mere concept of games. Like, I, my problem with games is I feel, I feel they're going to be too good. I have one of those addictive personalities. Yeah. And I just, like, foresee myself being that person that doesn't, like, Friday get off work and just not take a bath. <laughs> till monday morning like it's it's more that i think i will like them too much is my uh yeah problem like you know so that's that's my thing but what i'll say about struggle session is you guys relate things to the real world and keep things humor packed as well as insightful at the same time enough that even when i don't understand the context fully those episodes are still enjoyable to watch. So that's one thing I will say about Struggle Session is even if you don't particularly know fan lore or they're, you know, have grounding in whatever particular thing they're talking about, be it comics, Star Wars, Batman versus Superman, games, you will still enjoy it anyway. It's not impenetrable. 
Thank you so much. Yeah, we really try to keep it, you know, we want to dive deep for the, you know, the the real nerds the, who, who know some of this stuff. But we also want to explain why some of this stuff matters in a larger context. So you at least know why people are obsessed with these things. And this episode is going to be a Patreon episode. It um doesn't, not for any particular reason, that's just how it fell. Um, one thing we try to do is, you know, the first episode, you know, however it falls, that's what it'll be free or Patreon Patreon. But whenever the person comes a second time, that's when I make a deliberate e- effort to do the opposite of whatever was done last time. So because it's a, uh, Patreon episode, there's no real point in doing all that house cleaning of, uh, this is how to su- subscribe, whatever. Y'all already know. Y'all already know. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Everyone who's listening should be a patron if you're not one then stop that but anyway tell the people who you are and what you do and how you came what your road to podcasting and speaking on these issues was all right so uh i'm leslie lee the third i'm from uh, baton rouge louisiana uh i've always been interested in politics because i'm a black uh man from louisiana where my first political memory was David Duke running for governor and almost winning. And I was like in fourth or fifth grade. So when you see shit, uh, stuff like that happen, you kind of pay attention to politics uh, for most of your life. At least that's what happened to me. Uh, I'm a writer. I've written for uh, numerous publications, magazines, et cetera, et cetera. But it's kind of hard to get a full-time job uh, being a writer. So I'm doing the uh, podcasting thing uh, in order to uh, supplement uh, my income. And, and, and that helps a lot. Patreon.com slash Struggle Session. We just had our 100th episode. So that's 50 bonus episodes if you want to uh, check it out. Yeah, and we are very pro-plugging, uh, which I'm glad I didn't have to nudge you to do it all. Yeah. We want everybody to get into our guests because the whole reason we invite them on is because we um believe in them you say like what your topics of um expertise are what you like to uh talk about for people who have not tried uh struggle session yet i feel like we have a lot of overlap probably but i like to pretend that you know it's everybody's first exposure to whoever's on so with struggle session our basic premise is that you know, we are leftists, we care about the world, we want the world to be a better place, but a lot of the stuff we have doesn't have that same sensibility. Like say, for example, the television show 24, it's very reactionary, very right wing in a lot of ways, very racist in a lot of ways, but we can still enjoy the show and we kind of, and it's a struggle because we kind of talk about how, what does that mean? Like, how do we separate the art from the artist? We talk a lot about like, you, and we also talk a lot about how, you know, media is created because my co-host Jack Allison and Jonathan Daniel Brown, they work in Hollywood and they have a lot of insight into that and how like, you know, yeah, maybe some of maybe this TV show is very woke, but they don't pay any of their actors anything. They treat their uh, crew like garbage. And we talk about that. We talk about media consolidation and how basically, you know, Disney is going to end up making every movie in a few years. We 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 covered a whole gamut from, you know, 
analyzing the analyzing art and TV and films and music and video games as you know and giving uh, you know a leftist critique of them to you know talking about the behind the scenes stuff and like say the efforts to like unionize you know animators or uh, people who make video games we we cover all the bases of uh, arts entertainment and culture but from a leftist perspective. Now, I'm still making my way through your archives, and you know something I would love to hear you guys talk about one day? Because uh, that's something I wonder about myself. I, w- I want to know, and this is not related to today's topic, this is just something I'm saying as a fan. Um, SJW fans, right? To what extent are they kind of two sides of the same coins with these alt-right guys? Because with the le- your last Jedi episode, you know, where you guys were giving your kind of reasons for not liking it and none of them had to do with um sexism or you know being anti-diversity or whatever and i find it interesting how a lot of times no matter how well you uh try to articulate your disdain with one of these kind of diet woke uh corporate products there are these people that will just automatically lump you into that reactionary fan base but you always have to like Say your opinion yeah. while at the same time defending that you you are not that you know. Yeah, it's it's re- it's really funny, especially with the last Jedi, because it, it it got to a weird point where like everybody who had an opinion on it was attacking other people for being Star Wars fans. They would say, "Oh, you're just a reaction." If you if you dis uh, well, I would say a lot of the people who liked the movie would you call other people Star Wars fans as an insult. Right. Yeah, like, it was very it weird. Was very, very weird. That happened to me a lot. I'm like, no, actually, you're the Star Wars fan now because you're accusing everyone who uh, dislikes this Star Wars movie of being a racist, uh, a sexist, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you, you're just the new version of the uh, of the annoying Star Wars nerd who can't take any critique of the movie that they like. You're just, exactly. People are kind of trollish like brusque like people are normally kind of chill it's very like, weird like i was like it seems to be that you know that cliche of like you know the person that becomes the exact thing like they hate or like fight against it was but one thing that was really weird that i knew was getting weird was i found myself watching reactionary youtube videos on star wars because even though like they were like bad in terms of their intent they were actually talking about the movie substantively more yeah, yeah. And, it, and more accurately than, uh, like, they would have a third of them would be just shitty, sexist, reactionary, racist reasons. But then the rest of the two thirds would actually have a lot of legitimate points about the movie. Whereas the other side would just do nothing but talk about things that were kind of not really in the text at all. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's, that's, so part of the reason why we started Struggle Session is that, you know, we want people to have an option besides, you know, corporate liberalism and reactionary garbage as far as, you know, nerd culture goes. And The Last Jedi is a perfect example because people talk to me a lot, come up to me and say, oh man, I'm so glad that y'all, you know, criticized The Last Jedi. I I was afraid to say I didn't like it because people would assume that, you know, I'm I'm, I'm all right. Like, and 
and it's just that's just so unfortunate because at the end of the day it's a disney movie like it's they're a mega corporation who treat all their employees like garbage every single one up to like the stars of the movie we saw what happened with like dave batista and how they're treating that cast um and like you you if you're a you know a progressive i would say and you're you think you know and you care about things like representation and you know women being treated fairly and black people being treated fairly disney is not your friend like they are only doing the most superficial things to cater to you they really don't care about you they just want your buck um and they well, will- I think that's weird i think i feel like people actually like the optics of caring about those things more than the real thing because one thing i found interesting on the internet was um like there was that kind of sj dub crowd that is really into like white white tears and male tears and whatever and zoe saldana spoke out in support of james gunn and then you know they were all like uh yo he's he went and you can go next bitch and, and they're, they're all just yes. like attacking her I'm yes. like, wait, wait, this, this is a black woman like you know or yeah, and Batista Latina. is and yeah. Batista is a person of color. As much as I hate the term, these yeah people use it a lot. They they are people of color. He's a pe- person of color, strong LGBTQ advocate. His his uh, his mother is a lesbian, and he oh, I didn't he know calls out Pacquiao for all. Uh, they're both Filipino and uh, he calls out Pacquiao for being uh, such a homophobe because he's so famous and he's a politician as well like this is a good guy and the way that he people talked about him and like can't tried to cancel him because he basically said like no I won't let a actual rapist you know get my get some guy fired for jokes they told 10 years and ago. somebody who's good to the people that work for him like yeah. you know he's obviously a good boss if all this cast um, goes to bat for him like that. Yeah, like they they all stood up for him because they saw it was bullshit. I, I was it was actually really disappointing because I, I I have to say for the record I do not care about James Gunn. I do not like James Gunn. I do a lot like his movies. My co-host Jonathan he really is a big uh, James Gunn fan. I am not. Yeah. But at the end of the day, he got screwed over by Disney uh, at the behest of like alt writers and the way th- and and we talk on the show like they've fired more Star Wars directors than they've hired. Uh, during this new uh, setup and the way that they treat talent and creatives, they want everyone to feel like they're replaceable. Yes. And, you know, if they're willing to do it to the millionaires, to the stars, the directors, how do you think they treat everybody else? And if they're doing it now to what they have now, when they buy Fox, you know, when they buy, when they buy more and more media, like this is going to be the new standard for how you treat everybody and that's a really you know terrible thing and it doesn't matter how good the optics are if this is how people are treated that's just unacceptable and so that's why we critique uh disney so much and why it's so disheartening to see you know fans who you think are more on the progressive side being just you know basically brand loyalists with no real ideology they're fans uh, over everything it's very weird um do you know what I heard about that? And there's a Vox article about it, uh, but I've seen this somewhere else, and I did I never got addressed, and I can't find this article again. But the, and the Vox article touched on the same things, but not as in depth as this first article, which I can't find. But there's this theory. I have no way of proving it. If you know anything about it, or if anybody knows anything about it, because I desperately want to research this theory. Uh, 
but these two articles both claim that um, this modern, a lot of this modern Tumblr activism culture stemmed from fan culture and more, more specifically, not fan, but stan culture and specifically shippers. For people who don't know, shippers are, how would you, how would you define a shipper? Uh, so shippers are fans who get really involved in, say, a movie or a TV show and a certain relationship in it. Often it's not a relationship that's actually in the show. It would be so a shipper would be somebody who wanted, say, in the X-Men series, wanted Wolverine and Cyclops uh, to get together, even though in the comic um, they're not together, they're not gay, um, et cetera, et cetera. That's what shipping kind of is. Or although they do ship, you know, actual some of the relationships that are in the text too. They may do ones that are out the, outside the text, or uh, usually ones that are kind of hinted at, but not you know giving uh, full throated you know support in it. It comes from it's kind of an interesting thing because. It, of course, it comes from lack of, you know, gay, uh, gay and lesbian uh, couples in the media. So you kind of have to. So and these are really young people, too, of course. So they kind of get, you know, attached to certain characters and want but them so to pe- ship. I think but so people may- know there's a lot of straight shipping, uh, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But but the, I agree that the queer stuff is probably way more passionate. Yeah. And, and so like. Zena, uh, uh, Zena, and Gabrielle would probably be the a really great example. Even though uh, people will go back and say, actually, you know, it was explicit that they were, you know, a couple, but you know, it was '90s syndicated TV. They can only uh, show so much, but it, it, that's what shipping is. But I do think that some of what we see now is based on that because people. And these are young people, so I don't want to judge them too harshly, but a lot of people invested a lot of themselves and their time into the media that they consumed to the point where it became a part of their identity. And so when someone like, say, um, a Batista goes against that property in a certain way, they will may stand with like the property in Disney and them as opposed to the actual human beings who are making it. It's not unusual. It's actually very, very uh, common. I think among all fandoms you look at, you can even in pro wrestling, there was a pro wrestler named CM Punk. People loved him. People were behind him. People were excited for him until he left the WWE. And then people called him a whiny quitter and made fun of him when he got, uh, when he lost in MMA. Like, fandoms are like kind of all share this this kind of thing so that's why i don't want to say uh that more progressive fandoms are you know the same as like the alt-right reactionary fandoms but the fandoms are all kind of similar in these particular ways where they really invest a lot of them their personality into these products and then the people behind it kind of get forgotten there's actually stories of uh shippers i i forget which show it was but it was uh it was a cart i think it was a cartoon show and the shippers got so mad that this relationship wasn't happening that some of like the animators and creators got death threats and these were like progressive like shippers these were progressive fans these were you know on on the left side of fandom not the right side of fandom but some of this stuff you see certainly with a lot more on the alt-right side can happen with the progressive fandom because it's about the fandom really it's not the political leaning i I think one big difference with a lot of these fans is i think 
they more than older generations actually think that they're part of let, let, I'll give you an example. Uh, DC uh, Tumblr fans, right? I know it's like is uh, a big thing with DC fans, but it's growing with Marvel fans too. They keep talking about the characters in the first name. They'll be like, "Yeah, oh man, this is when Bruce did this to Diana." <laughs> yeah, and I noticed when I was a kid, you didn't do that. You just said, "This is when Superman did this to Wonder Woman," or "Superman yeah. and Batman had a fight." Now they talk about them, like even things like Green Lantern, and they say like, "Oh, Hal is the best." You know, they'll do it. I'm like, that's so interesting. And then around around the time. Well, there was that book, um, Identity Crisis. I feel like Identity Crisis was the first DC book that went really hard and using first names all the time. But Marvel started catching up, and now I see Marvel fans doing it too. Like people are more likely to say Tony than Iron Man, and I feel like yeah, these people kind of these fans now kind of feel like these are their friends and family a lot more intensely than um, when I was a fan. But I think that also leads them to think of the companies as the actual universes and not a bunch of suits in a big building getting big um, six and seven figure salaries. Like I think, so when, when I think when these people try to visualize Disney screwed over James Gunn, they picture the world that they love, the world that they live in, like their, their family uh, had a problem with, with um, so-and-so. Another reason I say that too is because when you talk about representation, they never, ever, ever go above the optics. Never try to say, okay, uh, so we have this director who's you know, queer or black or Filipino. We have uh, these amount of women in the cast. How many uh, minorities and women do they have in the boardroom or profit sharing? Like, yes. They never go past that because I think they, they really kind of think that um, there's just the universe and the creators and nothing else. And, and, you know, with comic books for a really long time, it was just about what was on the page. It was just about the characters. People would, you know, praise uh, Marvel, give Marvel credit for, you know, having a black uh, Captain America when, you know, they didn't have a single black writer on their entire staff. Yep. You know, things like that. Like, that, like, like so e even the creators can get left behind in, uh, in a lot of this stuff. And, and people, and the way people talk about it, it's like so weird and interchangeable. Like, when they wanted, when James Gunn got fired, people were like, okay, make uh, uh, Taiki, um, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Waititi, I think. Yeah, Waititi, uh, because he was a POC, so he should direct it. I'm like, what? That's so strange. Yeah, to yeah, me. it's it's very strange and and tokenish but, too. Like, it, yeah, but but see, you see how they um say Yamat Taiki Watiti because he's a POC, but the other POCs who are boosting James Gunn, yes. they don't give a damn about which is they're disposable. Weird. Yeah, but that leads to the original theory that I have no way of proving, but you might know more of. But uh, these two articles claim that. These shippers on t on Tumblr and the fan communities were really adamant about you know getting the ships done, and did have arguments and cases and long drawn out like you know back and forths about why my ship should be better than yours. And then what started happening is people who were pushing for uh, say an interracial uh, ship or a slash meaning um, a, a queer ship uh, or something that was kind of considered more of a long shot started using social justice theory to advance their shipping cases. So what would happen is, say like you're watching a show, I don't have a good example now, but it's, it's, but say it's like, um, I can't think of one, but say it's a show where there's the main white guy, the white wife, 
I'm not wife, the white, uh, will they or won't they, you know, yeah. l- love interest. And it's clear that these two are meant to be um, the main the main ones. But there is, say, um, an Asian or a black girl in the supporting. But, you know, down the line, she's not, she doesn't even have any, um, you know, uh, that much to do in the show. But they want her to be with that uh, white lead. So then they'll start, like, pushing, like, these diversity or... Other types, of, other types of stuff to back up the shipping arguments to give them an edge over the people pushing for the main ship. So then, what started happening is people started getting deeper and deeper into working in real social justice, academic, and whatever theory, but to push their fandoms. Like we go beyond shipping. Like you know, if you wanted to have, um, if you like the idea of the black Captain America, and you're arguing with somebody online who didn't like it, you would you know say some stuff that you read from Ta-Nehisi Coates. <laughs> talking about how this is like a form of reparations and that you know uh blacks are as american as anybody because they helped build a country and then you bring up some articles showing like you know the half that wasn't told about you know how slavery built capitalism that's and then what started happening was that it eventually started getting decontextualized where people just started getting into the social justice stuff without pushing for any types of uh ships or or um fan arguments but that same spirit of it was carried into it so now it's decontextualized now it's not explicitly about using it to ship now you're actually talking about these issues but you're still talking about it with that same energy because you've learned this jargon and only advanced it ever do this kind this type of uh and i have no idea if this is verifiable but it sounds kind of plausible in how fan this how fan discourse and social justice discourse is so intertwined that's the first thing i'm going to say and the second thing even when it's not about fandom and just about social justice and it's not about like a movie like black panther or anything they still have that energy of like an old school comic or wrestling or whatever message yeah. board yeah it, i i don't know if you can really you know trace the genealogy i think it's kind of, uh but we certainly see like the result like this is where we're at now and it's not even just the fans it's you know it's actually disney who pushes you know this stuff when when you know um Chadwick Boseman is on the cover of Rolling Stone and he used the word uh, revolution and revolutionary like that's that's all that's Disney's call like that doesn't happen without them when they're um, use when they're you know using when they're basically telling people that if you care about social justice and you know black people you have to watch our movie our blockbuster oh here's another example from that same movie when the first uh when the first trailer or commercials came out for black panther and they use gil scott hurrah the the revolution will not be televised and it's like this is actually not only televising it does they even first of all when we actually saw the movie there was no revolution That, that, that was the best part like it was totally empty there's no revolution in the movie if anything it was anti-revolution but the song itself is exactly about not televising a revolution so to use it for a tv commercial and a movie is nothing means bold move bold move yeah but yeah but but that's uh but that's where we're at now like these corporations have figured out that you know they can you know, make certain gestures towards caring about um, diversity without actually ever coming up out, like, out of their pockets with anything serious. And they can make money off of that. They can make money off of diversity. They can make money off of representation. That's why they'll, you know, that's 
and they'll care about it until, you know, maybe um, a Democrat's in office and then now the right wingers want their uh, say in culture because they're no longer in power in politics. And we'll go back to um, a lot more movies about bearded, you know, white men uh, shooting up uh, the uh, evil foreigner of the day. It's probably going to be Russians at the, at that time. But yeah. Yep. Yep. And, and what's interesting about this, um, melding between social justice and, and activism and, uh, genre fiction and comics and, and superhero movies and all this stuff. And, and Harry Potter, of course, for, for the older libs, like, like they really love <laughs> relating everything to, uh, Harry Potter, which, which is part of the symptom of the same thing is, it's not only a reality now, but it's an expectation. Like people kind of expect you if you're going to be speaking on social justice issues. This is weird expectation now. I think that you should know about uh, comic books and and superheroes and Star Wars and what's going on in the representation battlefield. Like you know, and as well as the vice versa. Like, like we discovered, we discussed the vice versa of this expectation that uh, this corporate entertainment is now woke but i think people don't talk enough about this new reverse expectation where if you're woke you better be able to answer some basic um geek questions you better, you better geek cred if i'm going to uh, follow you into your activism which i think is a, a weird requirement yeah i liked um when um was it brie newsome uh took down the confederate flag the first thing was you know pay, uh, drawing a picture fan art of her as wonder woman right yeah like they're like i I guess it just speaks to the hegemony of you know what was geek culture and now is just culture that's true basically like so maybe 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 it's not anything specific maybe it's just that like everything is related to comic books now everything is related to you know star wars now and even like you know our politics has to be a part of that too and and it's, it's weird um that Part of that uh, geek hegemony is preserving this idea that they're still underdogs. So it's weird that it's taken over the world, but it came, it took with it its whole thing. Like we're still the kids who get pushed into lockers, you know, whatever. But it'll well, be like well, it, it. It goes the other. It's going yeah. the other kind of way now. So the woke take now on the whole, you know, geeks and nursing is that geeks were always just, you know. Uh, garbage white men who deserved everything that happened to them. Yeah. And now that, the, you know, the woke nerds are, the, you know, the true, you know, heirs to the culture. And now everybody, but the problem is like the woke nerds don't want to be seen as, you know, outsiders or something or a niche they want it to be hegemonic kind of they like the hegemony when but like so that's when you know like black panther gets one middling review like they go after that guy when you know when i was coming up like all the you know geek and nerd movies got tons of bad reviews and nobody cared because we liked them anyway and so like there's there and you expected them to get bad reviews yes you expected them to get bad reviews that's how you knew it was good yeah (laughs) it's just going ebert liked it you like you would have you you started worrying yeah you would start worrying like this isn't what i'm going out for but like now it's turned where it's like and it's on both the left and the right too right on the right but but it's only fashionable to call it out on the right yeah like we we, like you make like it it happens a lot with the kind of um, i don't i don't even want to say right but like apolitical 
meaning like not explicitly political uh gamers they'll get mad if like a video game gets like a bad review or something then everybody will make fun of them for that right like all the woke nerds will make fun of them and say how pathetic they are but when the exact same thing happens with black panther it's like you know it's fine it's cool the woke it's fine to drag some random reviewer's name through the mud and call accuse him of being racist because he said he thought black panther needed a little bit more action and and and, and, and i think a lot of that happens because you can convince yourself you're doing something more noble because on the surface you're doing it for supposedly you're doing it for diversity and to save black people when you when you drag like the white guys who drag the guy from uh new york magazine who didn't like dark knight they're just doing it because they're just entitled white guys yeah but when i'm doing the exact same behavior i'm doing it to supposedly save black people because this movies i mean people raise like almost a million dollars just to send black kids to that movie uh and i'm being literal i'm not being hyperbolic like it was yeah last time i checked it was about six hundred thousand dollars that that was raised people on the ground to i'm like oh my god can you imagine to put that energy to something actually like useful but that's neither here nor there but you know like what's a different image like you know a bunch of uh white dark knight fans like you know attacking this guy or some black fans who have like a legion of kids behind them that they're taking with this mission statement of uplifting their self-esteem it's 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 easy to tell yourself you're different because your behavior has at least a ostensible more noble life cause yeah like it, it but it's the same shit it's just fandom is basically the same thing when you're part of, when you're really super into the fandom a lot of some people i i think i, I like i some people if you're very insecure about what you like and what you care about, and this is a part of, and you've made this a part of yourself, any attack on that feels like an attack of you and you got to attack back. Like if you like, and that's, doesn't matter if you're a left-leaning or right-leaning person, like that's kind of uh, the shared DNA of these fan, of these fan, of least of the bad fans and fandoms. They kind of are, you know, mirrors of each other in that respect. In the, in that limited respect, I don't want again, like the uh, certainly the alt right. I think is much worse and yeah, and does the saint does the horrible stuff a lot more um, often. But on the uh, the pro more progressive fans, they do some of the same shit, just not as often yeah and and for example i think with the alt-right it'll be a hundred percent of that fandom whereas with the progressives you know i don't know what proportion of progressive fans fall into that mirror image you know i, I don't know what it is but i do definitely believe it's a much lower proportion of the yeah. overall thing than it is with the alt-right who are like to him to a man like you know that bad but um one last thing i'm going to say before we jump into that other topic i mean well not other topic this is set up for the main topic but i brought up this stuff on twitter at one point and something the most interesting answer i got i find this really interesting somebody responded goes yeah you know that's why uh it's because of arrested development that's why like you know these geeks you know comic books and all that and movies that's where all this toxic stuff happens whereas uh you know, I think sports fans, because you're learning about like, you know, values and winning a game and it's real life, you know, it's different. And I find it so interesting. Cause I'm like, it's the exact same yes. shit. I, I mean, <laughs> these aren't the old sports fans, but like, you know, they had like, you know, fat fingers and cigars. And it's like, you have like that, that, uh, sports journalism where the guy looks, his hands look like big ham hocks and he's, uh, seems like a raging alcoholic or, you know, like the Jimmy the Greek types. Like, this isn't that. These are like nerds. These are people who, you know, uh, talk about sabermetrics and, 
all these stats and play fantasy football like you know like well, like fantasy football in dungeons and dragons it's, it's all like you know the same they're arguing on message boards all day long you have coaches making fake twitter accounts like it's <laughs> it's all the same shit but it's so interesting that people think because it's about sports they're involved in um something different i'm like none of you are playing sports you just <laughs> it's the same as like you know battling about well, which superhero beat who or whatever yeah what i like to say on the show is everyone is otaku uh, yes. I don't care what, and you know, it doesn't even matter. Like it could be, there's so many political otaku out there. Like yes. if you listen to Pop Save America, you do not care about politics I, in regards to how it actually affects real people's lives. You care about politics the same way uh anime fan cares about like the plot lines on One Piece. You know, that's like what you're into it for. If you watch MSNBC all day or CNN, CNN all day, like you are a political otaku. My mom is one. I'm not saying yeah, that as yeah. an insult, but was, like- I- I would say Pod Save America is the talking dead of liberal politics. Yes. Just, you know, like something happened in liberal politics today, but, you know, the real mainstream liberal politics. Let's go see it uh, unpacked in uh, the talking dead. I mean, uh, Pod Save America. Like, it's the same thing. Yeah. So, yeah, like, they, I, there are three Chris Hardwicks of, of politics. <laughs> Yeah, so it's all different otaku cultures, all all these different fandoms, and they all kind of share the same problems. And th- at the core of it is that um, capitalism has made everyone miserable and their lives unfulfilling, and they have nothing to fill those holes with except um, things they buy, TV shows they watch, music they listen to, et cetera, et cetera, and none of that stuff. Maybe you can lump that all under. holes. Yeah, we can lump that all under the title of consumption. Like, you yeah. know, that's all stuff that you consume, all that stuff that you listed. And all this is a lengthy setup to provide context for this article from New York Magazine that came out September 4, 2008. Blew Ooh. my mind. It was titled, I Was Raised by Storm. Whoa. Is it, and it's a book, to be fair, it's a book ex- excerpt, so... Maybe they just took a bunch of random words from the book and put it together. That would explain. Nope. This. <laughs> nope. But I I got a, I got my hands on a copy of the book. Um, it's uh Ray McKesson's book. Um, and this excerpt is by Ray McKesson. And I had hoped the same thing that you did, right? And the one change in the book is chapter six of the book. The book is called I Was Raised by, I'm sorry, the chapter was called I Was Raised by Magic. The article, and for people who don't know, most articles are not titles, yeah. aren't chosen by the author. The yeah. editor chooses the title. The um, That editor fucked you up, Ray. I would be mad. Because yeah, I Was yeah. Raised by Magic is a much better title. Yeah, I Was Raised by Magic is a much better topic. And the rest of this is so bad. This thing needed every single good thing could have gotten so that title would have really made a big difference uh as far as raising the quality of this whole experience but yeah i was raised by storm or as it appears in his book on the other side of freedom which is a memoir uh i was raised by magic and this is storm of the x-men yes storm of the x-men so i thought this because I've been meaning to have Leslie on for a while, but I was waiting for like a great topic. I didn't want to just, you know, have him on. Even though I think that'd be just as fun, but I thought it'd be great to have him on for like a specific topic. And I was waiting for one that really jumped out, but we couldn't find shows or things that we kind of overlapped and both watched. Then I saw this, I'm like, oh, I really would want to hear his take on this. And then I was like, oh, this would be great to have him on. But 
I'm just going to read straight through. It's only like um, five printed pages. I don't. I don't think it'll take long. And I think it's the only way to experience what this is. Um, what this piece is. So by by the Ray McKesson, I was raised by storm. All right. So that's the preview. If you enjoyed it, you know what to do. Patreon.com forward slash Champagne Sharks. Five dollars a month, and you get to hear it all. Later.